Yeah, just I um, wanna wanna ask you guys this. Uh, um, for a while now, um, I feel like, um, or it seems like there's been a, a re-emphasis on on prayer, and uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I know it's 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 one of those things, you know. Prayer seems to be always in God's will. It's not like you're gonna do much wrong if you emphasize prayer, you know. It, it's obviously something that we as believers need to do, but it 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 does seem, you know, it's it's. Um, even even if you you see Jesus's um, command just before he, he pour out his spirit, he, he said to them, "Go to Jerusalem, meet there, and just wait upon me." And and there was times of prayer, and obviously it is a more intensified time of prayer than what you find after Pentecost. Even though there was still prayer, it was just different. And it does feel like there's a there is a bit more of an intensifying in prayer in this in this season, you know, and. Uh, um, I also want to say, you know, I, I do think it's different. I know I, I think so. I know it's different. I know it's different when we pray on our own um, versus praying, learning how to pray together. It's it's learning how to pray together, but just the power in praying together. When there's there's one voice, there's one accord uh, type of thing. And uh, if we can take our Pentecost example, it's, it was when the believers were praying together. It's... Uh, um, it's I don't know if you've been in prayer meetings where it seems like bees. It's you know bees seems like so many all in their own mission, but yet when they zoom together, it becomes this one one voice, right? And uh, I yeah I just I want to encourage you guys again. I mean we I'll, I'll put out on the group again in our prayer times and so on that uh, this is my challenge. This is my challenge here. If you if you <laughs> if you if you if you're part of us in this season, we pray We pray at least weekly in the mornings. We pray, and there's a couple of prayer points that we pray. If you're part of us, I want to challenge you that you would at least once a month be part of some of that, and that you will taste at least once a month something of that. There's something that you taste there. There's something that you experience there. There's something of the engine room of what God is doing in our midst that... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, you, 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 you can't experience it by just hearing about it. It's actually there in the thick of things. And, yeah, I want to encourage you guys to, to do that. Um, then about this morning, um, you know, um, there, uh, a classic, it's a story in the Bible, history. It's not a story. It actually happened. But God used that story as a picture for us in our Christian walk. And it's... It's the story of two leaders that represents two eras in Israel's history. The one was Moses and the other one was Joshua, right? And as we know, as most of us would know, I, I think is that Moses was called by God to get his people out of Egypt. And um, again, history lesson, you guys might have known that. Probably all of you know it, but God used a, a couple of plagues and a couple of things through 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 the hands of Moses to ultimately you know get his people out of Egypt, um, and then there was this long journey to to the promised land, and uh, what we would know eventually is of the people of the people I think it was said about three million people, about three million people that came out of that um, place called Egypt, only two. <laughs> Two out of three million, it's a, it's a low percentage. 
but it's lower it's lower than the success rate of the vaccine. Oh. No, no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it was just a joke. It's the uh, bad joke. Sorry, 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 sorry. But uh, um, so 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 two out of three million <laughs> was saved. Um, um, so two out of three million was saved and uh, um, came through. But God raised in another leader, Joshua, that was different in purpose. His purpose was actually to find, not to get people out of oppression, but to find people coming into inheritance, coming into, into promise. It's an interesting thing, you know, I've, I've, in the beginning of that journey, if God has set out, you know, what he wanted to do through a people, what, is, what was God's end? What was God's plan? To get people out of Egypt? And, and of course, but was it to get people out of Egypt or was it to get people into the promised land? What was his end? What did he have in mind? And yes, obviously in order to accomplish, he had to get people out of Egypt. It was surely a means. But it was never an end. And uh, this, this story is, is really a, a picture then, but throughout the New Testament, or a couple of times in the New Testament, reflects on the believer's experience right and so egypt will be a picture of being in the world and god come and gets the deliverer called moses and remember they got out finally with the 10th plague where they had to slaughter a lamb a spotless lamb take his blood and the blood was put on the door um, on the outsides of the door and the, the angel of death passed over and because of that they were able to come out which is a picture obviously of the blood of jesus and his work on the cross right and, and in some extent, you know, there, there, there's, there's such a massive emphasis in the body and in the church in our need to get the world out of Egypt. And of course, look, you're pretty doomed in Egypt, right? Just check the guys that didn't have the blood of the lamb over them. The angel of death got them, right? Again, it's a picture. And we, we, we need to get people out of Egypt. But when God had his people in mind, it was never just to get them out of Egypt. <laughs> It was to get them into the promised land. That was his, that was his end. That was his purpose. And I, you know, in, 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 in really doing this Christian thing, I've, I've seen the one side as we settled with merely getting people out of Egypt. As if that is an ultimate end. And it is, an, it is a purpose and it is something. I mean, you don't want guys to burn in hell and that type of stuff. But when God sees his people... He doesn't merely have come out of Egypt in mind. He's got inheritance in mind. He's got promised land in mind. And I, I don't know, the ratio is probably a little bit better than two out of three million. But I feel like, geez, there's a lot of guys that just get stuck in the desert and dies there. And I, I just see so often, so many, I mean, really a lot, <laughs> that just never walks in inheritance. And there's just so many, so many subtle Things that blocks them to never walk in it. And they wanderers in the desert all their lives. Some of them really misses Egypt after a while. And feel tempted to go back. <laughs> because at least there was something. You know. And uh, I think some, some of the passion that I have really is to see. Is to see God's people. <laughs> it's like the Joshua generation. Right. <laughs> 
And it, it, it is part of what the generation should do. It's part of what our na name stand of. It's not just coming in, but it's to uh, coming out. It's coming into inheritance, coming into promise, right? And so um, this is the, uh, a couple of things that I, I just seen uh, on, on people's journey and certain ceilings and certain things that they get stuck in, right? And so people get saved, and I mean, the, the great and wonderful euphoria that comes with it and the liberation that you feel with it. But most guys, when they get saved and they're on the other side of this, still then determines in their hearts that they're going to carve out their destinies, they're going to choose their destinies, and they're going to carve out their destiny and getting to wherever they need to do, need to go. And... Um, I found the progression is something like this. First, people come to realize that they can't do it on their own. And uh, eventually, some come around dying enough, trying enough, come to the end and just cry out to God, God, I can't do it. Help me. Right? And uh, that's, that's usually the first progression that, that happens. The second one that I felt comes rarer and is harder is if that destiny and that purpose that God has doesn't line up with what you had in mind. And there I feel even more than first, people are like, God, make, I come to you, make my destiny happen. And God will say, yes, but but your my my picture of your destiny and your picture of my destiny looks different. <laughs> and to let go of that one, I felt like is yeah, and I I feel that one dies probably the hardest many times, you know. And we don't even know how deeply embedded it is in us. We don't know how quickly we have made our desires, our dreams, our prophecies. Really, we we've, we've settled it as thus says the Lord and God's. God's shape and God's destiny for us. And when it comes and he starts forming and shaping other than expectation, suddenly it becomes it becomes hard. All right. But let's 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 just journey with Israel together and we see how it all kind of unfolds for them, right? Now, um for those that have that have heard or been in any Bible school classes with me would know that I like to speak about the promised land and the picture that it that it means. So I'll 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 I'm gonna do it again. So in, in the book of Hebrews, um in the book of Hebrews, well let me just say this. I'm gonna ask the question. Half of you here know the answer because half of you have heard me a hundred times already. <laughs> All right. But maybe there's some of you that not heard me on this topic. <laughs> All right. On this specific one. So the promised land, as, as Egypt would be a picture of the world, the, the Passover lamb, a picture of Jesus, and the Red Sea would be a picture of baptism, and the cloud by day and the fire by night will be a picture of the spirit. There's all these typologies and so on. What would be the promised land for us today? What's the picture? What does it mean? What's the analogy? What does it mean for us? What is the ultimate experience for the Christian? If Egypt is coming out of the world, what would be the promised land? And so obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the question would go out and the debate will go around or I'll, I'll throw it out. And uh, um, some would dare to say heaven, right? 
heaven is obviously nothing that's reserved for us on this earth. It doesn't count. It's not taking my inheritance on the earth. I mean, it's, you want to go to heaven? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not, uh, uh, that's not quite <laughs> what was referred to, right? <laughs> I can, I can get you in heaven and you will still not walk out. I can get you there quickly. But it still not means that you walked out everything that God had for you on the earth and walking in inheritance, right? And, uh, and it's, it's interesting because usually when I get to what Hebrews actually tells us, this promised land is, the picture of what it is, how disappointed people are actually, because it seems so, so boring actually. Um, and so I'll say it to you, and then we'll read the scripture where uh, the writer of Hebrews explains this promised land. But the, the ultimate experience in the Christian faith is it's the rest. <sighs> See, Keith has also heard me teach. He's heard the sigh many times. But it's the rest. And it's been explained in Hebrews where we ceased from trying. <laughs> we ceased from our works and we ceased from our efforts. And we finally learn to fully rely on God. Right? So let's read Hebrews 3, um, verse 16. For who are those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who, were led, who left Egypt by Moses? So these are the guys that came out, Right? And of whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not of those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he said, as I swore on my wrath, they shall not. This is not for the other guys. They shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse 10 and 11 as well. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Let us therefore strive. It's just this interesting uh, paradigm. like, Let us therefore strive <laughs> to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Right? And so the, the story is, is, is fairly simple then, you know, of God leading his people to Egypt. And so everything that he does with them on that journey was and somehow that these guys would learn how to trust on him and not on themselves, right? And uh, um, pretty quickly, they, they would realize that, I mean, they, they can't do it on themselves. And pretty soon, they, well, maybe not that soon, you know, they would ultimately come to the work that they, they have to come from God. And so 
Two years went past and God got them to the promised land, a journey that should be much, much quicker. But finally, he got this people to get through the promised land. And then he said to them, I send you spies. I want you to go and check it out for me. See if you can enter it and see. Well, he didn't say see. I just want you to go to check it out. And so the spies comes back with a report, and we know it. Ten of them gave a report that was not necessarily a lie. <laughs> it was factual, right? I, I, it's, it's better than any news outlet that you get out there at the moment, right? There was no opinions. It's just factual. Look, these guys are big. It's, you know, it's all great. And then two spies gave, gave an gave a feedback, gave news feedback that was not through the lenses of the physical eyes, but through God. And they would say, yes, the people are big. Yes, the cities are fortified. Yes, probably in our own ability, this would be impossible for us to do. But, but God said, and because of his strength, we are able to do it. But the nation choose to follow the news report. <laughs> of the ten instead of the two and so God became angry with that nation and then he swore that all over that generation three million people will not be able to enter into the promised land only two um, Joshua and Caleb will enter in and so you can imagine now it's 38 years that three million people need to die right you can I don't know many days is in 38 years right but there is probably thousands that they had to bury every day. And finally, until a whole generation died out. 38 years. Every day we bury a bunch of guys. Like, you know. And you, you pick them off and you, you realize there's about 10,000 left. We're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> But then finally, when God came this time, after 40 years, he has worked a work in their hearts that they know that they can't do it. But they know that God can, right? And then there comes something different that they could finally, what would say then, the work of the heart was something that could trust in God, could rest in God. <laughs> huh. Guys, I, uh, um, this week, I, I found myself a couple of times just anxious about stuff, you know. And I, I, I mean, I don't even mean super spiritual stuff, natural stuff, you know. If it was still anxious about super spiritual stuff and so on, the state of the church, the state of people around me, the, the state of the world, the state of Israel, that type of stuff. It, it, it was not the stuff that gave me sleepless nights. It was natural stuff, you know stewarding my life stewarding practical things of my life that suddenly gives me worries and cares and i i just again <laughs> i realize just again how easily god has brought me thus far there's so many so many beacons of split seas of mountains of fire on mountains of manna of of just water coming out of a rock that i carry in my life and yet <laughs> i found my again just worrying again it's like, how long, how long must I still put up with you, you know? <laughs> this is the battle again for my heart. Lord, I'm not going to look at the news report of my eyes. I'm going to look at the news report of you. I'm going to trust in you and rely on you. And the battle that comes with that, right? But 
I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna fight that battle. It's, it's for sure. It's for sure. None of us here that wants to enter into the promised land is not gonna learn how to do that. And if you're not gonna learn in that, it's gonna be a sorry life, dead in the desert, right? And so, no. Know that he's working a work in you. Know that he's working a work in you. Wow. It's so easy. What is he doing in your life? What is he doing right now in your life? Well, there's several things. But I tell you ultimately what he's doing is he's doing in a work in you that learn. It's learning you to rely on him. He's teaching you to rely on him. He's doing that right now. Sometimes he does it with a touch. Woo-hoo, we like those. Right? Sometimes he does it with various ways. Some is nice, some is not so nice. But ultimately, the greater work that he does is to bring a people that can fully rely on him, enter into the promised land, and and rest. But as many would learn to come there, there is the second thing that I found many, many come come short in. You know, it is interesting. I've... I, I've said this before, but I feel like this is how many people's Christian walk goes, all right? They get saved, and then soon in that first period, that first section of years, for some it's one year, some it's two years, for some it's three years, like quote-unquote honeymoon phase or whatever you want to call it, there's a phase that you've experienced the Lord in a certain intensity in a certain way. And then the rest of their Christian life is trying to re-experience that. They had some golden moment with the Lord. And they would, in everything, would reflect where they are at with God on that moment. Everything would be to re-experience and relive and rehab that. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's just so, so funny that we do that, but we do. That became our benchmark. And I, even as I speak now, I see the smiles because you do it. <laughs> it becomes the benchmark of the Christian experience. Just imagine, you know, you, you are Peter, James, and John. And you are called by Jesus to go on a, on a mountain hawk, a mountain hike. And up there, you know, Jesus' color change. He starts shining. He becomes glowy. And uh, um, it's like uh, like when you with me on the mountain, I really. <laughs> I went to cycle with Rudy this week. I was almost dead <laughs> on the mountain. Luckily, it's downhill <laughs> from there. <laughs> My face changed. <laughs> But, but so, okay, and, and, and then with that, suddenly it's not just the three of you guys, but now there's two other guys that joins the party, Moses and Elijah. This is pretty special, right? I mean, it's as glorious as it gets, you know. It's just so, so amazing. And I mean, I can imagine for Peter, you know, and those guys, it's just so natural. That's where we are. Maybe in some ways you had your moment of transfiguration you know it's like you had that moment with the lord it was so glorious it was so special and somehow the temptation that was with peter so let's just build a hut here 
we've, we've, we've reached the ultimate. And everything of my Christian walk, I will camp here and every now and then I will visit this hut as the ultimate experience. <laughs> and it's interesting when Peter made that suggestion, right? It's three times, three times in the Bible, in the New Testament, where the Father actually interrupts the earth and speaks so that people can hear him. One is at Jesus' baptism, the other one is in John 12, and the other one is in this one, where Jesus comes and he says to Peter, this is my beloved son, hear him. What is he saying? He's saying never camp around a past experience. No matter how good it is. Never reflect back on that. But this is my son, hear him. You know that they went with Jesus to another mountain. That mountain was called Golgotha. They went with Jesus. Jesus was there at Golgotha. Imagine Peter is still stuck in transfiguration. Imagine a feedback form on meetings. The, the, the meeting of transfiguration, yes, it was an awesome meeting, man. Any feedback on the Golgotha meeting? There was not so many people. Yeah, it's quite bloody, but um, yeah, I didn't feel so much presence. Eh? It was just, it was kind of dry. It's kind of dark <laughs> meeting, you know. Which meeting do you want? Transfiguration or Golgotha? <laughs> Yet which, me which meeting change, change and at the most, most glorious impact on eternity? I mean, you can't even compare. You can't even compare. And yet for many of us, all that we are looking for is, can't I just have transfiguration again? It has become the ultimate. And something that I've realized, I, I mean, it's maybe not that profound, but, but God is really not after, after giving you an experience. I'm not saying that he's not. He's more real, right? We're not denying that. God is real. But he's real on transfiguration and he's real on Golgotha. God is not more real in transfiguration than he is in Golgotha. But more than what he is after, a mere experience is after your heart. And sometimes transfiguration is just what's needed for your heart. But sometimes Golgotha is needed for your heart. Right? But if we are fixated on how God should work and should do things, man, we're still camping out on transfiguration, waiting that someday we will experience that thing again. Well, we're missing out on the cross. And we miss out. We're missing out on the deep things that God wants to do. Now, um, in, in Israel's history, there's a second exile, and that's in the book of Jeremiah. It's a very interesting book. Um, so Jeremiah is, is that prophet that didn't prophe prophesy transfiguration. <laughs> he prophesied Golgotha. And everybody wanted to hear a transfiguration word. So he prophesied first, then he said, look, you guys are going to be taken out of exile so obviously, all the, all the good faithful prophets went against him and said no. And then as the, 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 it has become apparent that people are going to end up in, 
in Babylon, Babylon, Jeremiah prophesies this. He says, you guys will stay in this place for 70 years and all the prophet stands up says no it's not true we'll only be here for two years right um and uh it obviously turned out that jeremiah was right and all the other prophets was wrong but it's a it's a difficult thing i mean i'm just just be with me here as a as a jew as someone in israel that has learned the history of coming out of egypt i mean everything that happens with that coming into the promised land as you did and then you had look then you had the judges you had the kings you had the david you had the saul well you'd saul david solomon all these guys establishing this dynasty this this israel this place surely babylon is not in the picture Surely if you would look back of how God would work and what God would want, it shouldn't turn out like this. And so Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah to do this. Jeremiah 18, you guys know it well, but you guys have not listened to the full, full portion. You just learned to the heading. <laughs> now let's actually read this portion. Jeremiah 18, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down, down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And his vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord. So let's just hear exactly what happened to that picture, right? So they go down. Jeremiah is called to go down to the potter's house. He sees the potter making a vessel, beautiful, probably what seemed to be intended initially. And then the potter <laughs> messes that picture up. I don't know what he did, but he messed it up. Man, I, I mean, in, in the picture of how things should turn out, on the picture of how God should work, in the picture of how it should pan out and play out, this is such a, it, it so easily becomes just set. I would say, you know, when, when, uh, where's Lorraine? Lorraine. I think that word was from the Lord, really, actually, you know. Of, uh, um, look, of course, I mean, I acknowledge all the words from the Lord, but I think, <laughs> I think that was a, it was quite timely for us this morning that, um, what God is actually, what a vacant space is one way to say it, but what God is saying is He needs clay. He needs clay. It's interesting what she says as she saw the blue light. And God says, should I only disable you before I can make you vacant? <laughs> it's almost like this guy. You get so hung up on how this thing should look like. You just, I twist this, I twist this vessel a little bit. And now what can the clay say? <laughs> Look, if you've served 
God longer than, I'm trying now to think how long, but Lane, be with me here. All right. Were there times that you thought the vessel is going to look a certain way? <laughs> In fact, if you've, I mean, I'm saying here five years. If you've served God five years, there's a couple of vessels that you thought will shape out in a certain way and it didn't turn out to be that way. And you know what I found? As with Israel that go like, okay, there's a blip in the, in the vessel. There's a blip in the vessel. All right. Let's give it two years. <laughs> then we will return. It's, I remember, you know, I, um, when we just got married, I, you know, I, I had, a, I had a, quite a skew idea on marriage and on ministry, a lot of things, right? And uh, for me, actually, to be honest, I thought of marriage as, um, I looked at, it's like the perception that you have, you know, I'm, I'm looking at guys, I really want to be used by God. I, you, you really want to be prominent by God. I'm thinking, it's the married guys that gets more place. <laughs> I thought like marriage should be some sort of stepping stone to more ministry. <laughs> right? And so, so I always had a desire to go into the nations and I was stuck in a little town called Wellington. And, oh man, I had the, I had the prophecies, I had everything... The, 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 the vessel was busy shaping out very nicely, right? But something didn't seem right. I just needed one ingredient, I thought. And then this vessel is going to fly. <laughs> and that was marriage. <laughs> so I, I married. I, wait, it's, 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 not, it's not quite the reason why I married. But... But God tricked me because I didn't know my wife and she didn't know me. It was one of those God said ones. I mean, it was even supernatural. So I thought like, I mean, that's extra boosters for more ministry. I mean, it's like what I didn't know, my wife's vessel looked a little bit different as well. She came out of a house that was almost... Some, someone similar to me that was uh, kind of a, a ministry addict, a ministry junkie that uh, lived their whole lives to become prominent in ministry and so on. And she actually got hurt for the process. And her dream was to get a husband that loves God but is never in full-time ministry. <laughs> so these two vessels came together. <laughs> And then we realize how hard that clay has become, you know. <laughs> that vessels was so set. I just couldn't. This is like, this is, not this is not happening. This is not working. And she in the same, <laughs> same breath thought the same thing again, you know. And it took a it took long time <laughs> for the clay to finally accept the ways of the purpose of the potter. And that destiny and that purpose that I've set out. Oh, okay, God. Here it is. Clay, clay in your hand. So as this clay, I had to learn what is real priorities for God. And, and Naka had to learn actually to, 
to pick up some of the grace and calling that God had for her and for us. But we had to come again to that place and just become clay. <laughs> but you know, I remember when I was in Wellington, so that's actually what I want to say. So when we got married, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking by myself, there's no way that I'm getting a house or anything like that. That will be a waste of money and time. And I kind of wanted to turn God's arm as well. You see, I'm not settling in Wellington, God. We got a, uh, we got a room at the back of someone's house. And Arcus says, listen, I mean, it's not the nicest place, but can we then at least just get a cloth for the furniture? I'm like, no ways. We're saving money. We, we're going. We're going. You're right. And every time there was any type of aim to any part of decoration, just anything, I'm like, no ways. I'm not staying. God, you, you, you can see God. I'm ready to go. There's no root here. There's no finger here. You can just move me, move me, move me. You see, because I thought like, okay, okay, I see, I see you. You want me to stay in Wellington. Two years, right? It became 70. Figuratively, you hear what I'm saying. It felt like 70. <laughs> How many of you have seen a change of action, of a change of plan, and you think by yourself, I, I see what you're doing, God. Two years, right? And then it becomes 70 years. And you never settle in the change. This is interesting now as God continues to speak. Jeremiah 18. My, one of my favorite prophecies, Jeremiah 24. And again, he asked Jeremiah, what do you see? He sees a basket full of figs. He sees good figs and bad figs. And then he asked God, okay, what, what is the good fix? God says, the good fix. What's the good fix? Look at you, you're a Jewish guy. What's the ultimate for a Jew? You go back to Jerusalem. That's it. That's the promise. That's the deal. That's the, that's the vessel. That's the shape. <laughs> you intimidate me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, she's coming to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and uh, um, <coughs> oh, it's, it's Jerusalem would have been the thing. And here a man comes and he prophesies, Babylon is where God wants you. Babylon is where God wants you, and you go like, "Whoa, that's a serious blip in the in the vessel here." And the prophets goes like, "Don't worry, guys, it will be two years." And God says, no, it will be 70 years. Don't just settle. Buy the cloth for the furniture. <laughs> right? Oh. And then, then God says, he says, he sees this, Jeremiah 24, he says the good fix and the bad fix. And God says to him, you know, the good fix is those that stays in Babylon and the bad fix is those that try to return. It doesn't make sense here. Surely that's the noble thing to do. Try and go back to Jerusalem. And he says, as these bad freaks is trying to go back to Jerusalem, they will end up in two places. They will be wanderers in the world or they'll end up in Egypt. This is what I've seen. 
those that couldn't be clay in God's hands. And somehow in the process when God goes and the blip comes and God says, all right, you need to change. And they refused to change. They hung onto that vessel forever. They end up in two places. Either they return to Egypt, which is the world, or they're all they eternal wanderers. They serve God, but they just never walk in inheritance. They just, the mark is, the mark is not fulfillment. So you see it. And so I see it today. I see bad figs. That's hung up on the vessel and went there. But we never learn to be clay in God's hands. And then God reestablished and says, settle in Babylon. This is where I have you. And then this beautiful verse, Jeremiah 29. Doesn't Jeremiah 29 get new context now? <laughs> verse 11. After he tells them that you will stay here for 70 years. And we go like, yeah, the words are so cool this morning, really. I was so helpful in, in the, he's like, you frustrated. Where, where are you, God? I thought this is going to happen. I thought this is going to turn out. I thought we're going to be the rulers of the world all the way from our headquarters in Jerusalem. And here we are stuck in Babylon, not for one year, not for two years, but for 70 years. Where are you, God? And as God could comfort those days, he comforted Patina and he comforted many others. He says, I know the plans that I have towards you. <laughs> it's not to harm you. Ah, oh, I thought Galgata was to harm me. Not to harm you. To give you a future, give you a hope, and to prosper you. But then... But then we need to be like clay in his hands and not fight merely for that moment or that experience in our heart where it was transfiguration. <laughs> but we will obey the word of the father and says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. What does he say? <laughs> Don't chase an experience. Don't chase a moment. Don't chase a certain shape of how your destiny in your future would look like. All that you do is just follow my son. And don't go, don't, don't throw this to me. If it's not nice, it can't be Jesus. I mean, surely Jesus can't be in Golgotha. I mean, just imagine. Well, I don't know what the apostles did. Only one remained actually there, right? Eleven left. It's like Peter was probably on his way back to transfiguration. <laughs> Shucks, I should have made that out. <laughs> At least he went back to fishing. Jesus is gracious. He went to fetch him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> went to fetch him. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's the call today. I think it's the call just for us to be clay in his hand again, you know. And, and, and all those plans, all those things that we had that we hold on to and that's kind of shaped not to work out as we thought. And I'm not going to hang on to two years here, guys. I'm not going to hang on to two years. 
come on, two years is just this. <laughs> 70 years. Who's looking for that? You know, there's there's so much theology in this church in hand signs. <laughs> if you want to know our theology, just know. <laughs> it's hard to explain in words. It's more like <laughs> you'll miss the theology if you don't see the signs. <laughs> All right, but that's the call today, right? The call is to be clay again. In his hands, the pictures, the the time limits, the everything. We just oh, we just lay it at him. He can form and shape as he wish. I don't know. I feel like I need to do something now. <laughs> I feel like a little bit of God is here. Actually, yeah. it feels like he's doing something. Right. All right. Let's let's see. <laughs> Let's, let's close our eyes and Lord, there's, there's just worship in heaven um, that seems so sacred and so holy. It's when the elders throw their crowns before you. It's like even the very things that they got from you, they throw it down. It's like even, even, even transfiguration we leave. We throw it down. Jesus, I, I pray, you know, each one have his crowns. Each one have your vessels. And Lord, I, I think it's like probably the highest form of worship. It's, it's greater than the highest jump and the loudest shout. It's that throwing that crown before you. It's throwing that vessel before you. And just making ourselves again clay in our, your hands and say form and shape as you wish jesus so jesus we just want to say that again that we are clay in your hands and jesus then we want to say we're not clinging on to one year or two years <laughs> Do what you wish, Lord, however long you wish to, Lord. <laughs> We're not our own, we are yours. Lord, I pray that even as you look over us now, that word that Lorraine has given, you'll see green lights going on. You'll see finally vacant spaces where our plans are laid out. <laughs> and you can come and park, and you can come and form, and you can come and shape. As you wish. We are yours, Lord. Can you do that?